You want to feel your food? Yeah, let's do it. Sanders patiently running. Sanders could cut. And another block. Sanders still going inside the 40. gentlemen and welcome back to the kelly green hour again it will be me as your host and hopefully lj will take the reins back on tuesday and take this pressure off my shoulders of trying to remember all the painted lines homes and handles and stuff but we're back ladies and gentlemen we are this is our first episode after you know the post loss that that heart wrench and loss that we suffered on monday night and this weekend we go up against the indianapolis colts who look a hell of a lot different than they used to with frank reich and carson wentz not there anymore very very different looking team but before we get into it lj how's it going man it's going it's it's going i'm trying to beat whatever i have right now i, I don't know probably a little a cold or whatever but it happens, so I'm glad. I appreciate you taking the reins for the for these uh, last couple of shows. Hopefully, we get back to normal next week. It's all good. It's all good. But let's dive right into it, and we cannot dive into this without talking about Howie Roseman and the two big moves that he made this week. Obviously, literally big. <laughs> they they very very big, very big. Like we're talking 600 pounds plus coming in the building right now. Um, he went out after that Monday night showing and watched, you know, Brian Robinson, watched Antonio Gibson run, watched a team fearlessly run the ball. Yes, I get it 3.5 yards per carry, but fearlessly ran the ball at us 50 something times because they knew eventually yeah. we would bend and break. We don't have that will for the for the you know Russian defense to be able to not break periodically and give the team you know the manageable third down or have them get that that short yardage first down that they need so he went out there and he signed defensive tackle former Giants Viking Charger Linval Joseph to a one-year deal I believe the money just came out it's two million dollars but at this point I mean you cannot have Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave play 60 snaps a night it just isn't going to be good um and of course Marlon Tweepaluto went to the uh, IR as well so now we have Jordan Davis and Marlon Tweepaluto out so it's starting to look really bad on it for defensive tackles but Linville Joseph he's Played. This will be his 14th season. He's played well over 7,400 snaps. I get it. He's not. I think that there's a lot of people, and same with the Domicon Sue one, which we'll dive into as well. There's a lot that pe people kind of think they have this expectation that these guys are going to be heavy hitters. And I think they just need to know they're going to be a rotational piece to keep that front four as fresh as humanly possible and as effective as humanly possible. Because what we have found with Fletcher Cox this year and what we have found with Javon Hargrave this year, when they are freshest, they are at their best. So if you can have them play in 30 or 40 snaps a game and get in, you know, 20% less snaps played, much, much better. And of course, 
Damakunsu, I'll let you get your uh, two cents in there, LJ. Damakunsu signed a one-year deal. Financials, I don't think, are 100% worked out or out there yet. This is a guy who's going into his, I believe, 13th NFL season, and he has played north of 10,000 NFL snaps. So this man has plenty of experience. He definitely has a personality. He definitely is somebody who's going to get under people's skin on the field, but we got Chauncey Gardner-Johnson who does that as well. As long as you limit the stupid penalties, we're good. But LJ, what's your reaction to these moves? Well, I do like how Howie noticed that there was a deficiency on the defensive line and against the run, and he went out. And knowing Jordan Davis may not be back for another three weeks, uh, Marlon Tuililopopu, whatever his name is, is out for at least four games. They needed that depth. You mentioned we can't have Hargrave and Cox playing 70 snaps a game. It just doesn't work. They'll be very ineffective. Um, and I know Joseph and Sue have not played for – have not played this year. Their last games were – you know, Sue's last game was against the Rams in the NFC uh, Divisional Playoffs uh, where he actually had, I think, two uh, a sack or two in that game. Um, look, we're not anticipating and we're not expecting – Sue and Joseph to come in here and be what they were 10 years ago, even five years ago. They're in here to provide depth and they're going to be able to help against the run. I think now I wouldn't expect them to be a big help this week because Sue, uh, Sue got into the building today. Joseph got into the building yesterday and you can look at the playbook all you want, but football being in football shape is different than being in shape. (laughs) You go out into the field with all the pads and going up against 300-pound men and having them lean on you, that is totally different. You know, you could be like, I can run all day. You get out onto that field after two plays, you're, you're winded. You're out. So even if they play on Sunday, I wouldn't anticipate them playing a lot. But I think I would much rather them, you know, get the get maybe 15 to 20 snaps this week instead of Cox playing 70 snaps, instead of um, – I don't even know. Well, like, do we even have? We don't. So we have Cox, we have Hargrave, and we have Milton, Milton Williams. Williams. That's I like, think that's it with these two. So, uh, and then also when it comes to Endomican Sue, you know he can play on the inside. He can also play on the outside. Like if they want to go bigger along the defensive line, you could put him out at defensive end. Um, so he's not going to just play. Ta- I know Chris put. Do you expect Sue to play with Davis when healthy? Is Sue just a nose tackle? I don't think Sue is just a nose tackle. He'll, he'll be able to play. I think Joseph will be your nose tackle. And Sue, I think, can play the, like, three technique, two technique, even play onto the outside, the four or five technique. So they're going to provide depth all across the line. And it should it should make the Eagles better against the run. We won't see it right away because, obviously, they just got into the building. But going into the Green Bay game next week and then going into that Tennessee game in two weeks, like, that's when we should start seeing a big difference. Yeah, I agree with you. And like Milton Williams, he's been okay, but he has yet to play. Like he's played like 20, 30 snaps. He played 38 against Washington, just like a lot of people played a ton of snaps. But he hasn't been like, he's been decent. He hasn't done things that make you go, oh my God, look, he made a mistake again. But he hasn't been like, he was definitely better last year. Went much better last year. He just hasn't been as effective this year. Um, So to... Chris's comment about do you expect Sue to play with Davis when healthy? I think Sue would be the one to survive if when the decision comes to 
you're you're not gonna I don't think you're gonna have seven or six defensive tackles. I don't know if you're gonna go that deep. So I think there's gonna have to be a decision made eventually. Um whether that be, you know, Marlon Tuipaludo's shut down for the season. We might have just seen the, the last of them. That seems like the realistic approach. And then when Jordan Davis comes back, you're probably still cutting somebody. But at this point, I mean, LJ wants it to be Britton Covey. But, like, eventually you're going to have to cut hey, somebody to that, make that move. I so. would love Darren Sproles to come back to be the uh, punt returner at this age that he is now. He he was talking about it today. The ripe age. <laughs> yeah, I, I would take him. I would take him over uh, Covey any day and twice on Sunday. Yeah, Chris, we we are all in agreement. Shut Marlon Tupaluto down and let Damakon Sue, Milton Williams, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, and Jordan Davis go at it. I think you you let those five guys go at it. You got a you got it. And Limbaugh Joseph would be there as well as a rotational piece, but like. You let those guys go at it. I think you got a really good chance with those six guys and keeping, you know, rotating people around. I think at, at, to me, Fletcher Cox, I think it is the end. This is this is going to be the end. I don't think he comes back. I don't think there's any team friendly deal that's going to happen. I think this is really probably the end of his time in Philadelphia. So if you have an opportunity to get something out of other players and limit his time on the field, it's probably what's best for you for the team and probably gives us the best chance to win at the end of the day. Javon Hargrave definitely has to be there. Milton Williams definitely has to be there while, and, and Jordan Davis is hundred percent going to have to be there. So Cox is definitely getting bumped down, especially if Joseph or Sue show any type of ability to do anything effectively, even on limited snaps. Yeah. And well, and, and again, like I said, they haven't been on a field or in practice or anything like that. Yeah, this year I don't think – or this week I don't expect much. And I don't know how fancy the, the, the Gannon can get with them this year with such so limited like, time to work with honestly, them. Honestly, but... they play defensive tackle. And, yeah, they, the, the defensive line does stunts here and there, and you got to know which gap to go into. But it's a lot easier to tell a defensive tackle, hey, line up here go straight <laughs> like it's a lot easier to do that at that position than it is to do at other positions where if it's a receiver you need to know the route tree and, and the route combinations if it's a corner you need to know you know what hand signal means you're playing quarters half man zone um if you're an offensive lineman you need to know if you have to pull here and there defensive linemen and defensive tackles especially go straight tackle the ball carrier on your way to the quarterback that's kind of so it, it'd be a lot easier for them to 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 strap up this week and play than it would be for somebody at a different position. Definitely, it's way easier to just more 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 or less put them out there and say pin your ears back and go. Like save the stunts for the guys who know the defense and who can effectively do it well, and just let these guys pin their ears back and go. They're they're big men. They can eat us. They can eat gaps. They can eat space, and that could be all you need to start turning this run defense around. I mean, I know that we're talking about it and obviously the injuries are a factor, but how he did, how he could have went out there and just got one of these guys and been okay with it. But the fact that he went out there and got two of these guys shows that. Well, this is a year that he all, he thinks this is a year and he also sees this run defense as being a major issue, especially you got Jonathan Taylor coming up this week, like, and then you got Aaron Jones next week and AJ Dillon. And then you got Eric Henry the week after that. And then we run the gauntlet with the AFC or the NFC teams with Barkley and then Gibson and Robinson again. So 
Well, they're not definitely, Washington, but we get we get Chicago and Justin Fields um, and David Dallas. Montgomery. Like you, yeah. do you, you would come for that. Do you think signing both of them is a sign that maybe Jordan Davis isn't going to be ready in two weeks or however many weeks he has left? If if they were to bring him back in, in the time he was allowed allowed to, I I would agree with that feeling. And my thought is this. If Sue and Joseph can step in and be effective as swapping in and out interchangeably for 15 or 20 snaps a game, and you don't have to rush Jordan Davis back, you're winning games, you're in a position to make the playoffs, I say sit them. Sit these guys as long as you can if you find something that's working and that you don't need them back right away. Because obviously you're talking about a high ankle sprain Um for a guy who's pushing 300 pound bodies, he's eating double teams. Like this is not something you're not talking about quarterback coming back from a high ankle sprain. You're not talking about, you know, maybe a tight end or something. You're talking about big guys who are going to push big men around who could cause more issues to that ankle again. So if you got something that's going to work, don't rush a guy back. And I think this puts you in a position to say, we don't, we can shut Marlon down and we can take Jordan Davis can take his time and maybe, Bring him back week 17, week 18. Make sure he gets re- 100%, no doubt, healthy. I also think having somebody like Ndamukong Sue around can help a Jordan Davis. Um, like, we know that Sue has had his issues in the past. And he ha- the one thing he does, he is a reliable on the field. He has ne- He's never missed a game besides the two games that he got suspended in Detroit. He's always on the field. I think that Jordan Davis can learn from somebody like him, a guy that's won a Super Bowl. And I know Fletcher Cox has won a Super Bowl as well. Um, but I think, I mean, if you compare Cox's career to Sue's career, Sue have a, has a better career right now, I think, potentially, maybe. Um, but I, I just think that the, the leadership intangibles from Sue could do wonders for somebody like Jordan Davis. Yeah, the fact that Darius Slay and him had been talking and there was a comfort level there, Darius Slay would not sit there and say, bring this guy back if he thought he was going to be a detriment to what they've built in that locker room. And by the way, Chris, over under, I'm going to say over 119 and a half yards. And I I don't say this as a slight at the Eagles' run defense. I say that as Jonathan Taylor is an animal. He is a beast. He's going to be the bulk of the offense, I think. He will be, and... The offensive line for, I mean, besides Quentin Nelson, I don't know how good the offensive line is for Indianapolis, but I feel like every time we say that, the opposing offense runs right through us. So I'm going to say that this is the greatest offensive line in the history of football, and hopefully the Eagles are able to to break that, penetrate that, and not allow Jonathan Taylor to go off. But don't be surprised. Taylor's going to have runs of one, two, three, two, three, and then he's going to bust a 40-yarder. It's going to happen, and we just have to be able to sustain that. And the game plan we saw against Washington, or the game plan we saw for Washington against us, the game plan we saw last night for Tennessee against Green Bay, that's going to be the game plan for Indian, game plan for Indianapolis. You want to keep this Eagles offense off the field, and it's going to be a lot of Jonathan Taylor. Um, and if if they do what Washington did against us, I don't care that you average 3.1 yards per carry, they were in third and short all day. You get this offense third and third and manageable screw short. It's third and manageable. And it was, and that just allowed them to be effective. Like that's why I feel like people underrate how important Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson were on Monday night to why we had no, we lost the time on attack 
one of the worst since I would say, like you guys said, the Chip Kelly era. I don't think there's any game that we've been beaten that bad in time of possession ever. Like we were slaughtered in that. We didn't even have 20 minutes of possession, I don't think. So mm-hmm. that like to me, it doesn't matter if you're rushing for three yards per carry, if your willingness to continue to rush and put yourself in third and manageable situations <laughs> is there, the run defense is equally a problem as much as a third down defense. Yeah, and, and and you're gonna have to say it. this. It, well, let's start with this Colts offense. I mean, um, the quarterback's Matt Ryan, and he's better than Sam Ellinger. I'm right, rightfully give, so. Rightfully should be Matt Ryan. I kind of shocked they didn't give Nick Foles a shot. I would love to see Nick Foles this week. Um, obviously, I can almost good. tell you that if Reich was still around, there might be consideration. No, because okay. they no, there wouldn't because they they made. Ellinger the starter and put Nick Foles as the third string with Reich. So I don't think there would be it would be under consideration. It would be Ellinger this week if it was still Reich. Um so like uh, obviously Jonathan Taylor is who the offense goes through. Michael Pittman Jr. is pretty good, but again, the 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 defensive backs that the Eagles have the corners with Slay and Bradbury, they should be able to I don't if if they, if Jonathan Gannon doesn't have a different game plan. This week and, and where he's playing his corners 10 yards off and playing a lot of zone where, you know, Terry McLaurin was open all day last week. If that happens again in Pittman or Campbell or Pierce are open, I'm going to flip shit. Like this, something needs to change. I, I am tired of seeing Gannon get, get so passive and not, not be aggressive here and there. And it, it cost them last week. Yeah, absolutely. It it was so frustrating because it took them until almost like the middle end of the third quarter to start doing that. And I think at that point, Washington was comfortable not throwing the football because they knew that they had this game in control and they just had to keep the Eagles offense off the field. And that was all they had to do. So they were comfortable not throwing the football. So it looked better theoretically, but I don't think it was actually better. I think it was just a way that the defense with the off the other offense was playing was that they were just playing to keep that lead and win the football game. They were not worried about throwing the football anymore. There was no need to throw the football anymore. But I would argue, like, I'm a little bit concerned because of what you just said, because Michael Pittman is probably, I would say Pittman's on the same level as McLaurin. I would say that, you know, Paris Campbell is not as good as Jahan Dotson, but Jahan Dotson wasn't healthy, but Paris Campbell has been really effective this season. This is the first full season that we've seen him and without any injuries, really, and he's been very effective minus the games with Sam Ellinger. When Matt Ryan's out there, he's throwing the ball to him, and he's making big plays. And then, I mean, you look at the tight ends. They're not that, to me, the tight ends aren't that scary. Jelani Woods isn't going to be in the lineup, so we're talking about what we're talking about. Mo Ali Cox is going to be out there. Um, and Kylan Granson, who's been okay, not great. Um, and then Alec Pierce. Alec Pierce has been decently effective as a wide receiver too. So ha- not having Avante Maddox, I think, also concerns me here because you got Paris Campbell in the slot, and then you got Pierce and Pittman at wide, and you got Jonathan Taylor to look after. Honestly, this team should be better than they are. But the reality for Indianapolis is just that they're not. And whether that was the coaching situation, whether that's the quarterback situation, it's just so hard to tell what it is with them. But they have a they have a really good group of weapons that can definitely take advantage of this Eagles defense if we play like we did last week. 
Yeah, and Josiah Scott's going to be your starter in the slot again, and he was eh, iffy last week. Um, and Gardner Johnson is somebody that if we had a reliable third safety, <laughs> potentially could be put out there, be put on um, a Paris Campbell or something like that. Um, so that that's this is where the the matchups are going to come in play and what, what Gannon decides to do. And obviously I think the strength, besides Jonathan Taylor, of this Indianapolis offense, you know, Quentin Nelson, a very, very good left guard. That, that'll be a battle, him him against Hargrave, him against Cox, him against Sue, him against Joseph. That'll be a nice battle. Uh, Matt Pryor, the former Eagles, playing right guard. So, you know, that's probably where the Eagles are probably – the Eagles are probably going to want to try to target the right side of the Indianapolis offensive line. Braden Smith was on the um, injury report, report today, I believe, with a back injury. I'm sure he'll play, but, like, back injuries are no joke. So – that, that, that'll make things interesting because if he can't play, that switches up right guard because Matt Pryor will probably go out the right tackle. Will Fries will go to um, to, to right guard. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But the Eagles' defensive line, the defensive tackles, they need to get better. And this is why the Eagles have gone out and added pieces to that to the defensive tackle rotation. Robert Quinn, they need to figure out how to get him going. Um, obviously, he hadn't had a good year with, with Chicago uh, when he was with Chicago this earlier this year, but that when he was getting double and triple team. And remember last year, what did he have, 18 and a half sacks or something like that? Mm-hmm. He just hasn't been able to, for some reason, do you remember, and this is with Doug Peterson, when they traded for Golden Tate and, and one of the things that, that, I forget who the offensive coordinator was at the time, they said, oh, we just don't know how to use him right now. That better not be the case with Robert Quinn. Like, if you're trading for somebody like this, you need to know how to use him and how you're going to play him. You can't keep playing on 15 snaps, 20 snaps. You know, we got to get him. He's been here long enough. He should be comfortable with the defense. Get him after the quarterback because we had the sack. The, Josh Sweat last week had the, the sack fumble, but we didn't get much pressure on um, Taylor Heineke last week. We have to get pressure on Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan's not going to run the ball or be able to – he can move around the pocket, but not as well as Heineke. But what obviously I say that, and he had a, what, 32-yard run last week. So we'll, we'll definitely see. Definitely rare. Uh, yeah, it's very rare, but you know Matt Ryan is going to want to um, get rid of the football quickly and try to get it out to, to his weapons. So when you have a quarterback that's going to want to get rid of the ball, you can't be playing this five, this 10 yards off because if I'm a receiver, if I'm an offensive coordinator, if I'm a quarterback, I'm like, all right, just run quick outs or run something because they're not going to make adjustments. And it seemed like the Eagles struggled with that or Gannon struggled with making those adjustments last week. Yeah, and I'm looking at Matt Ryan, and when you look at Matt Ryan, he ranks number three in deep ball completion percentage, which stresses me out to no end because then you know that a guy like Jonathan Gannon is seeing this and he's probably thinking, I might need to play my guys off. And I really don't think that's what you want to do in this situation. His pressured completion percentage ranks 10th in the league. His clean pocket completion percentage ranks 7th in the league. He's an extremely accurate quarterback, and we know that he's an extremely accurate quarterback. So these defensive backs, I, in my opinion, the cornerbacks have to play more physical, like more up on the receivers to make it so that to give time for the front four to get home or to at least make it so that things aren't as easy for them because Matt Ryan can make things as easy as he wants, and it's clear by these completion percentages that he can make things as easy as he wants if – by what's given to him or what he sees out there on the field. He's been around long enough. He makes smart decisions. He's, he's, he's a good, he's, I don't want to say good. Good seems a little excessive. He's a decent quarterback and we've seen him do some good things. And 
I mean, I think he's better than Taylor Heineke. So I think that we could be in for something this week if we do anything similar to how we played against Taylor Heineke and Washington last week. And hopefully the idea of John, and this is why I think Jonathan Taylor provides, you know, uh, an advantage to Gannon having to play differently. You have to play a bit more in a bit more aggressively in the box with Jonathan Taylor coming out of that backfield. So that may force some more of his some more bodies in and leaving less cushion and leaving the safeties not and bringing the safeties a bit closer in and respecting that Jonathan Taylor is there. Um, obviously it does leave them open to the risk of a big play. And I mean, Paris Campbell to me is the one that worries me the most because he's got that four, three speed and he's got Josiah Scott on him, who definitely is not someone who can keep up at that same pace. So, I mean, I mean, I'm probably in foreshadowing my impact player for the, for the Indianapolis Colts, but the good thing is yards per attempt is that it's still 21st. He's it's only 6.9. So like you said, he does like to get the ball out quick, but he's smart and he's accurate with getting in and out. He's not going to take as many chances um, as you would sometimes see from like Taylor Heineke or others. Yeah. And, and it's just, that's what makes Reich benching him weird. <laughs> um, but, and, but there's a reason why Reich is, um, no longer the head coach. Um, for the Eagles' defense, though, the, the, the group that needs to play better is their linebackers. Remember earlier in the year, we were talking about TJ Edwards and Kaiser White a lot. And um, when early in the year, we were we were talking about how when the Eagles could potentially um, extend somebody, it could have been Edwards, it could have been Kaiser White. They were bad last week, like really bad. So. They have to pick up their and I. They have to pick up their 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 play. But I mentioned it on Tuesday. Is it's about time we see Nicobe Dean on the field. Take the bubble wrap off. Put Nicobe Dean on the field. I need to see what he has. I don't want to wait till next year. I want to see him out there. Instincts. Sometimes you might not. I don't, I don't know. Maybe they're not seeing it in practice. But game instincts are a lot different. And he has that the instinct to get to the football. Definitely. I would agree with you at this point. And I th- we talked about it uh, on the post game show with about Washington or our reaction show for the Washington game. And we said, how bad would it really be to see 20 snaps go his way? Just it doesn't even have to be a huge number, just enough to get your just enough to, you know, get his toes wet, see what he's got, see the intangibles that we're working with. And we already know the intangibles that we're working with. If it wasn't for that shoulder injury. This was a first-round talent. It was known throughout the league this was a first-round talent, and the biggest thing was how the physicals were going to check out. And now here we are. We're going into, what is this, week 11? Like, at this point, it I, is it's time. This feels like time to let him go, see what he's got, because you need to make sure the right people are in play to win you games when it matters the most, and that's in the playoffs. If giving him 20 snaps makes your run defense look that much better, makes your defense look that much more effective, then move to 30 snaps, then move to 40 snaps. Then maybe, yeah, Kaiser White might become a rotational player or TJ Edwards becomes a rotational player, but you have decisions to make on those two linebackers. And to me, it makes zero sense after drafting Nicobe Dean to bring them both back next year. So why not figure out who can play best with Nicobe Dean and buy Nicobe Dean? It's true, and hopefully they start incorporating. But that's why I have don't have the faith in Jonathan Gannon right now to to make that adjustment. 
um, to, to, to make that change. We've seen that he can't make – if he does make adjustments in a game, it's late. It's it's not in between drives. It, it waits till halftime and after, and we need to see that change. I, I'm still – it's still beyond belief, <coughs> excuse me, that he is getting all these head coaching interviews. Like, what does he say in these interviews – Obviously, he won't be the def- – maybe he would call the defense. Who knows? He wouldn't be the defensive coordinator. He would be the leader of the team. Maybe he's a great leader. Who knows? Um, but we do need to start seeing some- – look, I get it. The Eagles' defense is playing better than they did last year, but <clears throat> they also have a lot more talent. The other, uh, we, we talked about this. Um, Bradbury is better than Steven Nelson. Um, Gardner-Johnson and Epps is probably a better combination than Anthony Harris and Rodney McLeod. Um, we don't have Alex Singleton out there at linebacker. So, you know, he should be a, have a better defense because you have better players. Now you got to – we saw – like, we see it against bad quarterbacks. And Taylor Heineke, I'm not saying, is a is a, a superstar quarterback, but they, they just didn't look good against that, in, against that game plan. And you're going to see that same mm-hmm. game plan the next three weeks, if not longer. So you're going to have teams running at you until you can stop it. Now stop it. Yeah, exactly. And like like we've been saying, use other people, use different personnel and see what happens. Because maybe, like you said, maybe it's all in the personnel. We see Jordan Davis out of the picture and it's been an absolute game changer. And this was a guy who was only playing 20, 25 snaps exactly. a game, but that's how big of a game changer it was even. So what if you put N'Kobe Dean out there and for 20 snaps? That run defense looks better. That run defense is better. Guess what? You're seeing it. Maybe it's personnel decisions. Maybe it's some of those decisions that need to be made. Um, By the way, we were talking about the offensive line. Their run block in Raiden ranks 20th. Um, and they're, this is per player profiler and per PFF, their offensive line pass blocking efficiency ranks 24th. So this definitely isn't a good, uh, offensive line, but every time we seem to say that this isn't a good offensive line and this front four should get home, they just can't get home. And, but it also starts with stopping the run. You have to be able to start stopping that run so that you're able to pin your ears back and go sometimes because these guys seem to be just chasing after running backs versus because teams are going to pivot more to running more. So they're not going to get the opportunity to pin their ears back and go. So we need to be able to at least show some sort of ability to stop it so that teams will go to the air more so we can get after the quarterback again, because that was definitely the big pitfall last week when the ball is being run 50 times, your front four is not going to get a chance to get home very often, if at all. Yeah. And teams are going to want to keep the Eagles offense off the field. So let's move over to the Colts defense. Um, while Quiddy pay won't be, yeah, Quiddy pay won't be playing. They still have the forest Bunkner who's good. Yannick and Gakway who's good. So it's going to be a test. While we know that the Eagles' offensive line is 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 good, it's still going to be a test for Lane Johnson. It's still going to be a test for you know Landon Dickerson and Jason Kelsey and Jordan Mailata. Um, so they're going to have to to be able to protect Hurts. And you know I don't want to see Hurts running out of the pocket all the time. I want to, I would like to see him give his receivers an opportunity. Um, you know Stephon Gilmore probably going to line up against AJ Brown all day, which means uh, Devontae Smith against but Kenny Moore, he's going to have to find a way to win that battle. Um, and then Ronnie McLeod, obviously, the former Eagle in the second. They don't have to worry about Dallas Goddard this week because I think Dallas Goddard would have been able to have feast on this um, 
Colts defense. I don't know if Stoll and Calcaterra and whoever the third tight end, um, I got, I'm going to assume it's going to be Tyree Jackson. I, I don't know how they're going to do, but Dallas Goddard could have had another big day today, or excuse me, on Sunday. So it'll be interesting. Maybe this is where we could see a, a Kenny Gainwell type of game because we haven't seen much out of him. They haven't used him, but maybe now that they can try to see if they can put split him out, maybe put him in the slot and see what he can do um, in the middle of the field. I've tried to will the Kenneth Gainwell game a couple weeks this past season, and it just isn't working. So I'm not prepared to say it, but I mean, it does seem like the most effective thing to do because at this point, Jack Stoll is more of a blocker. He's been oh, somewhat effective when targeted, but he doesn't get targeted enough. If you start peppering him with targets, I'm sure you see weakness in him. Um, Tyree Jackson, we already know he's a terrible blocker. He's got bricks for hands. I, he's coming off an injury. Like, I don't know if I'd trust him with much snap share whatsoever this Sunday. And then we got Grant Calcaterra, who we haven't really gotten to see a ton of because it's been a lot more leaning on Dallas Goddard, obviously because he's the all-around top tight end, without a doubt, one of the best in the league. And Jack Stoll, who's an extremely effective uh, blocker um, and a a decently effective pass catcher, like I said. So we're definitely going to probably have to see more out of Grant Calcaterra. But I do see where... Kenneth Gainwell's usage could start to go up and moving him into the slot and using him there because he's definitely a way more effective. I think he's probably the most effective pass catcher if you put him side by side with those three tight ends. He's probably going to be the most effective one. Um, So I could see that and it makes sense. Miles Sanders and Kenneth Gainwell move in there. Um, You're obviously going to see the same peppering of targets for AJ Brown, um, Devontae Smith, hopefully, and Quez Watkins. Like I said on the Washington Commanders reaction show, he might have fumbled away an opportunity, but we can't deny that the guy had four catches on four targets for 80 yards. Yes, the fumble sucked, but he that's pretty much 20 yards of play. Like those were some massive plays, and those are plays that we're going to need without without uh, Dallas Goddard in there, especially because Dallas Goddard was a humongous yak monster. Like he's one of the top three, top five in yak amongst every running back, wide receiver, tight end. So that's something that we're dearly going to miss. So you're going to have to get it from somewhere else. And a guy like Quez Watkins, while he, while he made a mistake by, you know, when he jumped up, he kind of put the ball away. He didn't keep it right to the body while he made the mistake and we want to beat him up for it. It's something we have to get over because he needs to be able to be part of this offense a lot more now. And he proved last week he can be effective with the ball in his hands. We just got to get it in his hands. So I'm hoping that he gets that. Gainwell, we've seen the games. I'm just not 100% sold on it. Like, ah, man. I, I had higher hopes for him and it just isn't it does isn't seeming to come to fruition. And this backfield, while it was almost non-existent outside of Miles Sanders, his backfield's been almost non-existent behind Miles Sanders. So next year is gonna be very I don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but next year is gonna be very interesting when Sanders is a free agent, Scott's a free agent, which is fine with me. But the only one left standing in this room is Kenneth Gainwell, and you gotta figure out what you're gonna do. I want you near Gibbs. <laughs> Listen, draft, draft, definitely, draft, definitely. But 
And then obviously there's nothing bad to say. I think it, for the offensive line, the offensive line is still extremely effective. They're doing a good job. They kept Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne at bay this past week. I don't think this Indianapolis Colts defensive front is anywhere near the Washington commanders offensive front. So I think that this the offensive line can have a good day. They just need to be effective, stay on top of things, open the running lanes and protect and protect Jalen Hurts and give him a clean pocket. Give him no reason to leave that pocket like they've been doing in past weeks. Yeah, um, it's they just have to be smart with the football. Um, obviously, they they exceeded their turnovers for the season last week. They they had three coming in, and I think they did they have three or four. I forget. I don't know. They had three, and then they had four last week. Yeah, so they had three coming in the last week, and then they had four four in the game, which obviously that last one was kind of whatever pointless, but um, so they have to protect the football and look, they're on the road. Indianapolis is going to be fired up playing for Jeff Saturday. The, the crowd's going to be fired up. Granted, again, there'll be a lot of Eagles fans there, um, but they just have to, again, the, the biggest key is going to be being smart with the football. Jalen Hurts has really been smart with the football. That interception last week wasn't his fault. It landed, literally landed in A.J. Brown's hands, and the defender just took it away from him. Um, mm-hmm. And then the Dallas Goddard fumble should have been a face mask. That wasn't his fault. Um, what was the other fumble? Or what was the other turnovers? Uh, besides the Devontae Smith one, what was the third one? I don't remember now. But just, you know, be, be smart with the football. That's the kind Quiz of – Watkins fumble. Oh yeah, the the Quez Watkins fumble. Like, but that was I would definitely say that that's on him. Like, even when you get up, you gotta you gotta have the awareness to know somebody's, somebody's near you. Somebody's chasing. Somebody's in pursuit. So you keep that ball close and don't let it out. Don't let so any air get through it. Do you think the Eagles avoid Stephon Gilmore, or do you think that they they like the matchup regardless of who's up against them, whether it's Smith or whether it's Brown? Gilmore's been good, and Gilmore's really good in a big spot, but I don't think he's been like in as insanely effective as we've seen in prior years. But I mean, obviously, we look back to the game against Vegas and that huge pass breakup. I know Vegas fans are a little caught up about it. That's one of those in a big spot. You don't want that call. That that's definitely to me. I think the right call was made. It was handsy on both sides, but. Stephon Gilmore this season, let's see, he's been targeted 53 times. There's a number of games where he's been targeted a, like a ton. Like I'm seeing like five games where he was targeted seven times, at least seven times. So teams are open and willing to target in the guy. He has only allowed a 58% reception percentage, only 12.5 yards per reception. He has not allowed a touchdown um, and he has a pick and five pass breakups. So I think this is a... If don't avoid him, you can go at him, but it's somebody like we have to hope that Jalen Hurts is smart enough that if there's opportunities elsewhere with, say, Quez Watkins or Devontae Smith or whoever's playing in the slot for you, that you take those and don't try and force stuff at Stephon Gilmore. While he does only have one interception, he has done more in the past. In He's more of a pass breakup guy versus an interception guy. He's more of like Darius Slay. So you don't want to throw to him too much because then as you see like last week in the Vegas game, you're you're gonna pay the price, especially in key moments. You don't especially when the moment's big, don't don't be looking his way. Yeah, so we'll we'll see what the uh 
the game plan is for the Eagles. Um, hopefully, Sirianni instilled in them. Like, Anything's let's... better than Monday night. Both sides. Well, both sides. Hopefully. Well, like, the Eagles had time. six minutes of time of possession in the first half on, on Monday. That can't happen again. Like, they have to find they a way one, to not have like 19 minutes total. Like, that can't. They, Happen. They can't have 30-second drives. They need to be able to move the ball, keep the defense off the field. They can't play 80-plus snaps again. Like, it, it, it just doesn't work out well for you in the long run. And, again, you, that game plan you saw Monday, don't be shocked if you see a, a version of that on Sunday, a version of that next week. You'll definitely see a version of that against Tennessee. Tennessee did it against Green Bay last night. Um, so, that, that that's As long team. as there's receivers to worry about, it feels like Jonathan Gannon pushes the pushes the defensive backs back, and it makes no sense. Like maybe when we get to the New York Giants, maybe he'll play the game that we've been wanting him to play all season, or maybe against Tennessee because Tennessee's well, Traylon Burks had yeah, a good game last night, but generally their wide receivers are not very effective. So maybe we start to see it in those matchups. But at the end of the day, you need to make that adjustment. On Sunday, Sunday from the first snap of that, from the first defensive snap, you need to change that mentality. You need to change that game plan that you did on Monday night because it was not effective. And yes, I get it. Wide receivers can hurt you. Big plays can happen. But what is happening underneath right now is hurting us way more than a one big play or two big plays that might be given up. Yeah, I know he doesn't like to get beat deep, but... You have to be. Able, it's going to start with the with the front four and and stopping the run, not giving up three yards, four yards. Like they need to get uh, in, in the behind the chains, get them in, in second and long, third and long, because we can't have it where the team goes twelve of fifteen, you know, on third down conversions. Can't happen. All right. If that happens, you're going to lose again. Absolutely. And all right, I think it's time to move forward to uh, give me a player, a div- offensive player and a defensive player, each team, who you think is going to have a big impact on this game? On the offensive side of the ball for the Eagles, I'm going Devontae Smith. Um, I think he had a touchdown this, last This week. happens every every week. Like, I no, no doubt, I think it was Shane who took him last week. You're taking him this week. I think the week before you or I took him, it's a no doubt. And eventually, it's like he's bound to hit. He's going to do it. He's got to do it. I expect Stephon Gilmore to be on A.J. Brown, so that's going to leave Devontae against either Kenny Moore or Brandon Faison or Isaiah Rogers, whoever the third corner is, um, or whoever is going to – because Kenny Moore is going to play in the slot. But, yeah, I think Devontae Smith should have a, a, a good game for the Eagles. And, you know, he, he's going to have to take advantage of, of the mismatches that he has. And we talked about like They have the – while he is the number two receiver, he's really, he can be a number one receiver. So he has to take advantage against the number two quarterback. On the defensive side of the ball, I'm going to go Hassan Reddick. We need him to show up. Like, you have to get after the quarterback. Please get after the quarterback and please stop the run. So I'm going to go Hassan Reddick and Devontae Smith. I'm going to go with Miles Sanders uh, offensively for the Eagles. Um Indianapolis is a top 10 team against around. They vote. They're only allowing 110.7 yards per game, but that's still a decent amount of room for Miles Sanders to run with. Like, I think there is a world where I can see him being able. And I mean, the last 
the last three games, they've only allowed 81. The last game, they allowed 77. But fun fact, at home, they allow 131. So this can be a game where, you know, Miles Sanders can be more effective. He needs to be more effective. He needs to see the ball more. Whatever game plan Shane Steichen comes out with, I get it. You were trying to stay away from Jonathan Allen and Deron Payne last week. I don't think you have as much to worry about this week. And you have to set the tone. You have to start getting back to owning that time of possession. And you do not own that time of possession without a healthy dose and effective dose of Miles Sanders. And I think that we may see that uh this week uh for philadelphia defensive side of the football um i like the hassan reddick one um i'm gonna go oh boy this is a tough one this is a tough one i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna go with tj edwards on this one i think that like you said these linebackers have to start the while we blame often blame the front four for giving up three or four yards here, here and there on in the run game, the linebackers haven't been that much more effective in helping stop the run game either. These guys get hit, they get run over, and it feels like plays never stop. And like they should be like get into the safety, getting up to that that second level. They shouldn't get past the second level. And for some reason, some of these games are ending up past the second level or in the second level, and that's where it stops. But You've already given up a lot of yardage and they're usually getting run over and getting an extra couple yards out of it. I just really, I haven't been as bought in like we talked about earlier to this linebacking group. I would love to see N'Kobe Dean. I would love for my impact player to be N'Kobe Dean and to get N'Kobe Dean out there. But unfortunately, I am not Jonathan Gannon and I do not trust Jonathan Gannon. So I cannot pick him as much as I want to pick him and think that this could be a N'Kobe Dean game. This has to be a game especially against Jonathan Taylor, if there's any way to figure out, can he be a difference maker in the run game? You throw him, throw N'Kobe Dean to the Wolves. Jonathan Taylor, Derrick Henry, one of those games is a game where you really have to figure out if he can be a part of helping to make that run defense a lot better. Um, flip to the cold side, offensive player, defensive player quickly. Um, It's too easy to go Jonathan Taylor, so I'm going to go. Uh, Michael Pittman Jr., uh, him against Slay, him against Bradbury. Um, Slay didn't have his best game last week against Terry McLaurin. Um, it's probably the worst game he's had since 2020. So we'll see if he's able to to step up um, when, it, when it comes against uh, Michael Pittman Jr. And on the defense, I'm going to go let's, – let's go Yannick Ngakwe. Him against Maialata, him against – Johnson, he he still is. Ngakwe is still able to get after the quarterback, and while Jalen Hurts is able to move around, he has he can pose some issues. So, Eagles are gonna have to protect uh, Hurts and see if he can get the ball to his receivers and let them make plays. I kind of prefaced my offensive player earlier. I'm going Paris Campbell. Josiah Scott and Zach McPherson. Zach McPherson's a bit more athletic. Like, I feel like this is the type of game where, you know, maybe we give Zach McPherson a look as effective as Josiah Scott's been. Josiah Scott's not as fast or as athletic. And so he could have a rough day against Paris Campbell, who's got that sub 4-3 speed. He's been having a pretty effective season. He can be a big play threat. He can work from the slot and give you yards after the catch. He's somebody that I would worry about and who I think, while they're looking at Michael Pittman or while they're looking at Pierce on the outside, he may go less watched in in the in the slot or deep downfield while they're focused elsewhere. Um 
defensively, I'm going Stefan Gilmore. You you kind of talked about him. We talked about him earlier, and I it I, it feels like the easy way out. But we saw it last week. He literally shut down the Raiders game with that one big play when the right moment is there or when there's a big moment or a big play to be made. And we know in a big moment and in a big play, guess where Jalen Hurts is going to look? It's going to be A.J. Brown. And guess who's going to be on A.J. Brown? It's going to be Stephon Gilmore. So I feel like, like you kind of alluded to, this probably has to be a Devontae Smith game. This could be a game where you look at Quez Moore, get get that trust back in Quez Watkins, Kenneth Gainwell, Brant Calcaterra, look elsewhere, Miles Sanders, because it feels like if you give the opportunity, Stephon Gilmore has a chance to have a big game, and we know how much he loves, Jalen Hurts loves to push that ball and force that ball to A.J. Brown. Yep. The fish hobbyist just joined, saying it will come down to Philly stopping the run. Honestly, toward is out after after last week's loss. How to play us? Agreed. Game plan is out. It is. It. it I and, think that, and until you can stop it, teams are going to keep doing it. And like, I don't care if people like you can sit there if 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 Jonathan Taylor goes out there and runs for four yards per carry, but they run the ball like 40, 50 times again. They we still haven't gotten better. The run defense is still a problem, and I don't care. Look at yards per carry all you want. Looking at yards per carry is like looking at interceptions with Trayvon Diggs last season or looking at sacks for defensive ends or something. At the end of the day, if a team is willing to run that much, one, it means they're going to definitely own you in time of possession, and it means the offense is not getting enough time on the field, and two, it means the run defense still isn't getting better because teams are willing to still push push the ball down your throat that way, whether they're effective with it or not effective with it. So I agree with the fish. Obviously it's something we've been saying. I think the entire episode is it's going to defensively, it's going to start and end with that run defense. Something's got to give. It's been bad essentially since week one, we started to see things get better in the middle, but then Jordan Davis got hurt. But it was still, when Jordan Davis wasn't on the field, it still wasn't all that great. So something's got to change up front. And it can't just be, oh, we need Jordan Davis back. Something's got to change with the personnel and the people you got. Yeah, and we'll, and it also could determine how many plays Joseph and Sue play if they're both active. So that'll, that'll be something to watch as uh, we get the game time. I would definitely say Joseph's playing. I feel like Domakunsu could be a bit tougher of a call, but you're not go you're not gonna see him go in there with three defensive tackles. I'm sorry. There's no way Gannon or if Gannon said I'm going three defensive tackles, how he would be running down the stairs saying, Don't you submit that final roster yet? I wanna make a change. Cause that won't happen. He it just won't, but Yeah, we'll see. All right, so what's your score? Your prediction, I should say. Um okay, so we didn't really talk about this. The Indianapolis Colts are an extremely low scoring offense, like one of the lowest in the league. They average 15.7 points per game. They're, they haven't been very effective. Now their defense doesn't allow a ton of points. They only allow 20.3 points. Decent, not a ton. Um, I think this is going to be for me a 24 to... 17 for the Eagles. I'm going with the Eagles on this one. I'm around the same. I'm going 24-14, and they'll they'll bounce back with the W. But if they lose this game, it's time to worry. It is time to worry if the Eagles lose this game. Tuesday will not be a fun episode if the Eagles lose this game. 
I, I listen i get it you're eight and one you're feeling you're still feeling good eight and two oh we're still good to go you can't start to let up especially in a division as we say week in and week out this is a division we don't want to play the starters in week 18 we do not want that game against the giants to mean something in week 18 and the rate the giants are going at and the rate we're going at it's clashing to be like potential division clinching week and we don't want it to be that way if you lose another game and the giants win guess what you're tied you're tied and suddenly week 18 starts to mean something so we definitely want to keep that one game i'd like it to get to two i've never thought in a million years that to the 2022 nfc standings we are at eight and one and we have a team one game behind us right there. And it being the Giants. <laughs> and it being the Giants. Eight and one, seven and two, six and three. I mean, you keep Washington's only five and five. They're they're only three and a half games back of us. So So who do we root for in Minnesota and the Minnesota Dallas game? I mean, Minnesota Minnesota is well on their way to making this very interesting between us. I want to cheer for Dallas, which sounds terrible, but I can't. I I think I'd rather it. Like, if you you want to try and get something out of it, that's the division at this point. I much rather get that division and lock it up and be certain with it. And if you can put Dallas, what, three games behind you, if you win against Indianapolis, you're feeling a lot better about yourself. And you sure. can worry about you can worry about Minnesota. You can keep worrying about Minnesota. And you have I, that. You if have you can the, get the, the division, the it's the division that's key. And you have the tiebreaker over Minnesota right now because you beat them week two. So. Exactly. But, yeah, you do. I would agree with you. Are, am I going to freak out like you might freak out on t- Monday if, or Tuesday if we lose? Probably not, but it's definitely cause for concern. And I think if we lose, especially to a team that averages less than 16 points per game, there's definitely going to be some major things to talk about, some major weaknesses that are cause for even more concern. So, yep. That's it, ladies and gentlemen. LJ has Philadelphia winning 24 14. I have them winning 24 17. We are both very nervous to oh, say yeah. the least we are both very nervous for this game despite you know four or five and one team as your opponent we shouldn't be but we just lost our four and five team at the time they were four and five so we are nervous we're definitely nervous there are some games being played on sunday around us with some major implications of course the nfc east is very interesting that first seed in the nfc very interesting as well as the season continues to roll on major prayers for no more injuries we we took the suffering this week we we got the beating with goddard uh marlon tuipaluto uh that uh avante maddox we had too too many people go to the ir so please no more injuries we, we can't we can't take any more um but otherwise make sure you check us out on twitter at Kelly Green Hour. Uh, make sure you follow LJ at LJ Harrell 54, myself at Connor 10 T E N. Um, and the whole Painted Lines crew, of course, ch- type in the Painted Lines wherever you are. I guarantee you they're there. YouTube, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Twitch, all those spots, they are there. But for now, fly, Eagles, fly. See you on Sunday. You want Philly food? Sanders patiently running. Sanders could cut. And another block. Sanders still going inside the 40.